Well, as I was driving from the former seat of all NHL power, Montreal, through the free and independent states of Vermont, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts today, it struck me what an odd thing royalty is. You know who that is. <laughs> He'll be calling the game tonight on Nesson. My Nesson colleague, Jack Edwards, brought to you by Shaw's Supermarkets. Hello, Jack. Oh, Dale, it's uh, just as gloomy here in Montreal as it is in Boston, so that means it's a great night for a hockey game. Boy, rivalry night for uh, for New England fans. Patriots, Jets down at Gillette, Montreal Canadiens, and Boston Bruins up at the Bell Center. Uh, you guys got into Montreal, I know, late last night, so no skate, no nothing. So we don't really know about lineups or anything yet from a Boston perspective. No, and it'll be interesting to see how much ice time Simon Gagne gets. Uh, we saw Ryan Spooner basically hit the shelf uh, after about uh, four minutes to go in the second period last night. And uh, Seth Griffith is still learning to play at the NHL level. Decisions are uh, difficult for him still. And Gagne looked okay for his first game in 18 months. And, you know, the big question is how is he going to do back-to-back because obviously he's just not used to this level of competition, even though he's been around for many years. Well, let's say you were a gambling man. I'm not saying you're a gambler, Jack, but let's say you just happened to venture into a bet. What would you say uh, like a month from now? Who's going to fill, let's call it the Jerome McGinley slot for the Bruins in a month? Somebody, that, somebody that's going to be acquired in trade. This team is desperate for a stud right wing, and there are teams that are beginning to get in trouble that need um, some of the chips that the Bruins still have remaining. Uh, the Bruins have still set, have significant depth at D in their organization. They have a lot of young players that uh, teams on the build are looking for, and they're going to make some kind of a trade for a right wing. They, I, I think it's hard to project this Boston Bruins team as a team that could compete for the Stanley Cup against the Western Conference champion without a stud right wing uh, for David Krejci. And, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're fortunate that they're playing in the weaker of the two conferences. They're fortunate that they have some time to figure it out. But... Uh, they, you can't realistically expect this team to accomplish the goal that Cam Neely stated was the goal of the franchise at the uh, so-called town meeting for, uh, you know, for the state of the Bruins, that their goal is to win the Stanley Cup. They need a stud right wing to replace a Ginla. Jack, you've been around the game a long time, as long as I've been around the game, and it never seems to fail whenever you think something's going to happen. It never happens. Teams will play a home-and-home, home and they'll have a big war in the first night, and you'll say, oh, Wait till that next night, and then nothing ever happens. Having said that, do you expect anything to happen with Milan Lucic tonight in Montreal against the Canadiens? Things usually happen around him. I don't know if he's going to get involved in it because he still is on the mend from the wrist that he busted up in Game 7 against Montreal. And he, uh, he has gone on Canadian national television and has laughed about the handshake line. Obviously, that was something he said in the heat of emotion. I'm sure there was some substance behind it, but I don't know if he's going to set it as one of his goals to, uh, quote, kill Dale Weiss this season, end quote. Uh, I I don't know if if that's really in his agenda. And I would imagine that uh, Claude Julian, having seen Lucic's game just come to life when David Krejci has returned from injury, doesn't want to see Lucic compromise himself physically on the second half of a back-to-backer against a team that's been off for two straight days and is going to be riding an emotional high with 
a, uh, a, a season opener, a, a home opener, in October. You don't want to lose Lucic for three months because he busted his wrist while attempting to, quote, kill Dale Weiss, end quote. You know, Jack, I know how much you uh, appreciate NHL defensemen, and you have two pretty good ones going tonight, completely different styles, the Dano Chara and P.K. Subban. Uh, based on what you've seen, I know limited sample size so far this season, where do those guys rank as far as you can tell? Well, you're right. that They're completely different defensemen. Chara is going to go down as the greatest shutdown defenseman of his age and certainly one of the top handful of shutdown defensemen in NHL history. The goals against averages and the save percentages of the goalies who have played behind him, especially in Boston, have uh, been due in part to the great work that Chara does night in and night out. Where Chara gets in trouble is when he starts uh, start uh, trying to make plays off the half boards in the attacking zone on the power play, and and sometimes things goes go a little bit haywire when uh, he projects himself into an offensive posture because that's not what he does best. On the other hand, PK Subban is uh, as great a riverboat gambler as there is in the game right now. He has an incredible upside every time he's on the ice, yet occasionally he still makes judgmental mistakes because. As every school child knows, defensemen and these to play all sports. But but if you look if you, if you look at a guy with the athletic ability of, of P. K. Subban and the intelligence of P. K. Subban, which is what it takes to play this game at a high level, uh, he's still he's still coming up the ladder. We have no idea what the ceiling is on this guy. Uh, we know that he's getting better and he's getting better rapidly. The one thing where he uh, still needs to fill in his resume is is to get enough experience that he doesn't make the bad judgments. You know, Dion Phaneuf never got over that hump. Dion Phaneuf still makes bad, bad uh, judgments on the ice almost every game for Toronto. And this was a guy who was a Norris Trophy candidate, what, in his second or third year in the league. And everybody thought he was going to be right at the top for a long time. So, so we don't know yet on Subban, although he's already won a Norris. Um, but he's, he's going to be a sensationally exciting athlete for a long time for Montreal. Talking to Boston Bruins play-by-play voice Jack Edwards. Jack, of course, will be calling the game with Andy Brickley tonight on Nesson, 7.30 face-off, 7 o'clock pregame show. Uh, I'll say this about, about Peter Shirelli. He's honest, sometimes maybe to a fault. When he held his press conference announcing the trade of Johnny Boychuk, he said, we're not as good a team now as we were, which is sort of self-evident when you take a top-four defenseman off the roster and don't put anybody on the roster. How long will they continue to be that way, though? You know, that's, uh, that's probably the question of the season, Dale. Um, and as you were asking it, it kind of struck me in comparison to the guys down the street that, you know, there's, there's patience for a longer cycle when uh, you and Michael are, are behind the microphones. And actually what's playing out right now is the Bruins are getting bitten by some really bad draft decisions early in Shirelli's regime, which is why there's a new – director of amateur scouting and uh, and a new philosophy toward the draft. Because tonight we look at Max Pacioretty, who darn near scored 40 goals for Montreal last year and also is getting better. Uh, he was selected below Zach Hamill in that draft. Um, and we're looking at P.K. Subban for Montreal, who was selected below a guy the Bruins traded up to get, Tommy Cross. Now, it's not Zach Hamill and Tommy Cross's faults 
that they aren't as good as those other guys. It's the fault of the Bruins who were the the Bruins administrators who were making the decisions to uh, to reach on those players and not take other higher qualified athletes who ended up being much better NHL players. That's the crapshoot that NHL drafting is. How long the Bruins aren't going to be as good as as they were last year, we don't know. Uh, we do know this. Coach Claude Julien and his staff, including Doug Huda and his now famous stitched-up head, are uh, tremendous at coaching players up during the year. Kevin Miller got off to a dicey start this season, and he's already working his way out of that, making better decisions, playing more of his game, being physical, and uh, making sure he takes care of business in his own end of the ice. I think we can look for substantial improvement in a number of players, but they, they still are lacking that one big trade. And it may be, it may be a ground shaker. You know, it may have seismic implications. There, there could be some huge bodies moving because they need that, that stud wing. And uh, they gotta, they got to make a move that's going to give up some talent and some assets in order to get that. You would hope that they're not going to trade a top six forward in order to get a top six forward because you're going to patch one hole and create another one. But that's, uh, that's the difficulty of being a GM in a salary cap league. Well, hell, they might. I mean, they traded, uh, they traded a, a, a top, top forward defenseman uh, to create some salary cap space. So maybe. Yeah, that, that's true. But I've kind of been musing over the last few days how many top four defensemen have been traded at all in the last three or four years, and it's uh, it's kind of a tough one to swallow to get two draft choices, and neither one is a first rounder uh, for a guy who was a part of your regular rotation. He was high up on your penalty kill, uh, shorthanded time on ice per game. And uh, the Bruins have not exactly been lighting it up on the PK so far this season. Uh, it, it was a it was a disappointing trade. It looks like they did not get enough value back, at least not at this point. Now, if they can if they can package those two second rounders or some combination of picks that uh, they've gotten the flexibility to trade because of the acquisition of those second rounders and get something incredible in return, then it's going to look like it was more worth the deal. But right now, it's uh, it's leaving uh, something to be desired in, in the way the Bruins are able to attack their opponents. Final question before we let you go. Based on the improved performance last night, certainly their best effort of the season so far, what do you expect from this team tonight? Given the circumstances that you laid out earlier, they played last night, went to overtime, went to a shootout, flew to Montreal, Canadians sitting there since their game on Monday, home opener and all that stuff. Montreal's weakest period has been the first period so far. We know that in home openers, teams come out and storm their opponent's end of the ice. It's going to be a very difficult game for the Bruins to win, which is exactly why I'm saying that they're going to win tonight because the more I think I know about hockey, the less I realize I know. (laughs) We'll be hearing Jack say, final score, Boston 5, Montreal 3. We'll be back with a wrap-up in just a moment. (laughs) Jack, we appreciate the time as always. I'll talk to you in a few hours. You bet, Dale. Thanks a lot. See you, Mike. All right, Jack. That is uh, Jack Edwards, Boston Bruins play-by-play voice on Ness and Jack is brought to you by Shaw's Supermarkets.